0: Ladies and gentlemen, tonight, the reigning, the defending,
1: the defending, the defending, the faking, the
0: fending, the fending of universal heavyweight
1: champion. Wildcat Radio 2.0. Bear down, you beautiful people. What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Ferry. And we are not here to talk about Arizona's week one game against Utah because, Brett, you, me, everyone else knows that game never happened. But Arizona football still undefeated in 2020. (laughs) Yeah, Arizona, going to be mid-November here now, has not lost a game this season. Um, We all found out, I think it was Friday. Of game week, which made it all the more sad. Kevin, someone talked about in his press conference this week, we're recording on Tuesday the 10th, by the way, but talked about how he had to let the team know, like they found out like 10 minutes before they were going to get on the buses to go to the airport to go to Utah. (laughs) Like they were preparing all week for game week for Utah. And they find out on Friday that Utah asked the Pac-12 to cancel the game because Utah did not have enough players, apparently. Like they were missing position groups. I'm like, you know what? Arizona's gone without defensive player, like defensive groups for like the last four years. I feel like they've still had to play. So should Utah, right? (laughs) I mean, all of a sudden, not having enough good players is cause for not playing a game. Come on. Since when has that been a thing in the Pac-12? But I digress. It was very disappointing because even if you thought Arizona was going to lose, and I know both of us thought, hey, if there's a chance to steal one from a pretty good team, this is it. Utah week one is when you want to get them. If nothing else, though, we wanted to see Arizona play for us as fans and for the players. We wanted to see them get on the field because they've been working hard. They want to play and have it taken away from them within 24 hours of kickoff, basically.
0: Like, that was rough. Yeah. Coronavirus just keeps taking away things that, <laughs> of you know, the things we love and <laughs> not to mention... <laughs> the 200 something thousand people he just but say but football is lower a on the list of, of things yeah. but <laughs> i mean a sense of a, a general sense of normalcy um yeah it was it was one of those things where it was depressing because i think i think i think you and i probably both got pretty excited like most arizona fans even people that are that you know we've talked on this podcast that so we were skeptical of the ability to effectively manage and mitigate a pandemic in the midst of the throes of a pandemic. And, you know, there was kind of some signs a few weeks earlier where Utah's cases were going Mm -hmm. uh, in the wrong direction, which is a general trend across the country. Well, the thought with
1: that was that maybe the game would get moved to Arizona then or somewhere other than Rice-Eccles Stadium, right? Like, oh, like, the cases are too high, but if Utah's team wasn't affected, then they could still play, just maybe have to do it elsewhere. That was what the thought was. And then we got through the week and, what was it, Washington, California got canceled. Because Cal had their issues, but you're like, okay, they got to Friday, or we got past Thursday, it's like, hey, this game's going to happen, it's going to happen in Utah, cool.
0: And it didn't. Yeah, I mean, two points. One, uh, it's probably not great to go from a state in the having awful coronavirus cases to then travel with 100 people to another state. Fair. Um and also it's you know like the cal washington game i think they had a couple of position groups that were basically all on quarantine or infected and you know to to pick up where you left off with your joke i mean we basically have no linebacker room but you don't hear us complaining <laughs> that was a lot
1: more clean than my joke was i, I had trouble getting it out there but thank you for <laughs> for picking me up there i got you man that's what team that's what teamwork is right <laughs> But 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 we knew this, and he, Hanks we talked about a few weeks ago, where he had mentioned that he has a hard time believing that every team's going to get all seven games in all six plus one, whatever the crossover game would be, because there's a pandemic, and of course, as the numbers are rising all across the country, which they are, great job, everyone, you know like as that's happening. It's like, okay, where does football fit in? And you can look at California. Part of the problem with the Pac-12 is they're kind of at the mercy of the different locales, right? California has their idea of if you have contact tracing, it has to be like a 14-day quarantine no matter what. You could test negative three times in a row within four days, but you got to wait your whole 14, whereas places like Arizona are going to be different. We understand that. But what's incredibly disappointing is Arizona, by all accounts, has done a really good job of managing their team through this pandemic. Now, it's, it's November 10th as a recording, right? So like, things can change. And Kevin Sullivan, during his press conference, he's like, hey, right, right now, we're good. That could change tomorrow. That's the nature of this virus. That's the nature of this pandemic. But if you're Arizona, you did everything right. You did everything right to be ready to play a football game because Utah, I'm not here to say what they did or didn't do to be ready for, you know, to play, but something broke down along the way, and because of that, Arizona lost a chance to play. Now, were they going to lose that game? Probably. We each predicted Arizona to lose to Utah. But you kind of feel like they deserved the chance to play, and it was taken away from them, which, unfortunately, this is not going to be the last game that gets canceled. There were two games canceled in the Pac-12 before Pac-12 play even started. It's hard to imagine there's not going to be more from there. Again, recording Tuesday, there's talk about maybe Cal ASU will get canceled because Cal's still within their two-week quarantine. And just that's going to be the nature of this whole season, where we were hoping that it would get started, like, okay, it's going to be normal again, right? We're going to have sports. We're going to have games to talk about on Wildcat Radio 2.0. That's going to be great. But in the back of our minds, and we even mentioned it's not going to be that easy. And already through one week of the Pac-12 season, it's not easy.
0: Yeah, is this the point in the show where we pretend to uh, not want to say, I told you so, when we said this was going to be – this is kind of – Completely expected to some we extent. We didn't want to say we, hope- we told you
1: so. That's what people forget. Like, we can say this is probably going <sighs> to yeah. be an issue, but man, I hope we're wrong.
0: I Yeah, I mean, it's completely predictable, uh, but also really depressing. Because we all, we all want football to happen. We all want normalcy to happen. Mm-hmm. We want it to happen safely. Um, and to your point, I mean, as much as Arizona has handled it well, they've still had players on their team get the illness their, their head coach, coach <laughs> got the illness and we're saying that they've actually handled it better than most <laughs> you know which is kind of the nature of a novel virus that is yeah. uh, very hard to control um but the fact that they've that arizona by all reports has been able to manage it effectively has been a positive thing and i think that you know that the in situations such as utah or where somebody it, it's complicated because like the cows Cal- at situation right you know that's a local government question that there's erring on the side of caution and then there's like like you said like you could test negative three times in a row the chance of three tests in a row being wrong are very very slick you know (laughs) very yeah exceedingly low especially if you're doing that for a 100 players on a roster and they all independently test negative three times in a row like that's I think we can generally all agree that's a bit of an overkill, right? Um, but I think we also generally agree that erring on the side of caution is a good thing. Um, and I think it's a little—it's getting a little late in the uh, in in November to not have figured this out. Um, and in the in in the in the Arizona Utah situation, there's in my mind, there's no reason why that should not. The ultimate penalty would be assign that team that ostensibly is competing for the Pac-12 title a loss a forfeit in uh, in games where they are the reason why that they weren't able to you know take to to play the game that's such uh, a tough call though but that's the honestly i think that's the only way you get players and coaches uniformly in college football to take it seriously because obviously risks of spreading the infection are not enough
1: yeah and i guess Because, obviously, we know Arizona doesn't get a win for that game. And even if it was a forfeit for Utah, it would help, in theory, for Bulls. But I guess Larry Scott did come out and say that there's going to be no Pac-12 teams in bowl games unless they're at least 500, which is, like, way to, like, you know, kneecap your entire conference in a shortened season where now Arizona has one fewer game. You know, and Utah now has one fewer game. Now, this is Utah's fault. So, if you give Arizona that win, like, obviously, they didn't earn a win in that one especially if they were underdogs. But, hey, if they were, what, 14-point underdogs, they started the game plus 14, they won 14 to nothing. There you go. Boom. Arizona, 1-0 to start this season. but like, It's such a weird dynamic, and, like, we'll see how more, how many more teams it affects, right? Like, this was week one. When this happens in week three, when it happens in week four, and more and more teams, you know, have teams that played four games this season, you know, like, so they have to be at least two and two, Like, four games. They played an NFL preseason schedule, and that's their season. And it makes it so difficult because I don't know if... I guess I don't know if the threat of a loss would cause them to take it more seriously, given that I feel like a lot of people look at this season and don't take it seriously enough as it is. You're already playing, at best, a seven-game season. It's not going to count against your eligibility if you don't want it to, you know? like It's hard for me to imagine that they're going to be like, oh, you mean I might get a forfeit loss? Oh, no. Now coronavirus is real. So like it would help but i don't think it's going i don't think doing that or not doing that is hurting the cause i just think it's it's college kids it's a virus states are treating things differently and it's what kind of control you have of your program and we've talked about this many times for all the all the doubters of Kevin Summon and that's it's very warranted it seems like Arizona with someone and of course the staff the school president you know Dr. Robbins and Dave Hickey whatever they've implemented to have their COVID protocols, seems to be working. Now, will it continue to work for the rest of the season? Who knows? But what's disappointing is that if you're Arizona, or if you're ASU or Oregon or whoever, you're at the mercy of every other team in the conference. Like we said, Arizona could do everything right to be ready to play against Utah, but if Utah slips up because their protocols aren't as strong, then Arizona gets screwed. You know, ASU lost to USC week one. They're supposed to play Cal week two. But if Cal's not ready to play, now ASU loses another chance to beat a pretty good team in Cal. Like, that's not ASU's fault. That's Cal's fault. So when you look at it, it really makes you wonder, is it even worth it? Like, is there a number of games that makes it worth it? And I say that, or ask that question, understand that we all want football. We all want to watch football. Even if Arizona went 0-7 this year, we wanted to watch it happen. There could be value in having those games. But, like, what was it? Alabama LSU just got postponed in the SEC because they're having issues. Like, this is going on and going on. Like, I don't believe Arizona's going to – do we think they're going to have another six games in them this season? I don't. Not the way things are going. Do we see anyone in the conference playing seven full games? Then bowl games. Do we see any of this happening? And I don't want to be, like, all uh, panicky or sky is falling right now because two games got canceled in the conference. But it's hard to imagine that more aren't coming.
0: Well, the – the problem is the misalignment of the different conferences with schedule starting uh, and the Pac-12 delaying and therefore leaving no bye weeks for anybody. The Pac-12, because the, because all the other conferences started, you know, generally on time and the Pac-12 delayed and is trying to end and align with bowl season, it leaves zero margin for error for the Pac-12. You know, it's... It, I can't remember if I have said it on the pod. I know I uh, was tweeting back and forth with friend of the pod, uh, Michael Lev, and I was. It goes oh, he's back been to on point that, this
1: entire time, though.
0: Well, because the whole the whole thing with trying to play college football, and I'm in favor of trying to find good way, like good and safe ways to have college football in general. But I think the fundamental problem is that no one can answer what is the what is the the problem they're trying to solve for. Like, what are you trying to get to? Is it to have a BCS playoff? Is it to have a full conference schedule for all power five schools? Is it to start the season on time and not delay it? I do, I don't think every school or every conference has the same answer to that other than the underlying principle of, God, we got to stop the bleeding on <laughs> on the money side. But even then, are you really doing yourself or – Look at ESPN. They moved up the Arizona um, Utah game because another game got canceled, and then our game got canceled. Mm-hmm. You know what? How how much money is being lost due to the inability for the various conferences, schools, and media outlets, uh, and the, not to mention the NCAA in general, um, who's kind of just struggling to assert any. Semblance of leadership on this subject, mm-hmm. um, like what are you trying to solve for? And it seems like the it's it's a little bit coming home to roost in that uh, certain conferences were basically like, you know, we're gonna ha- hell or high water. We're having football season this fall, and we're not delaying. Um, you know, <laughs> to go back to again to Leb, I think the right answer was what if all the conferences got on the same page with some national leadership and said, Hey, we're going to all jump off this bridge together, you know, into the, or into the water. Um, but we got to do this together. Otherwise this whole thing doesn't work. Cause we could see, I mean, we talked about this on the pod where I said, what happens when the sec has a nine and a nine and two team against a, you know, four and one Oregon pac 12 <laughs> team. Like what's, how do you pick who goes into the BCS bowl games? Right. Yeah. Um, and so it's, what, what are you trying to solve for? If you're just trying to have games to have games, that's one thing. If you're just trying to maximize revenue, obviously the schools and the NCAA are never going to say that. Uh, but how much are you even shooting yourself in the foot by thinking that you are kind of got your head in the sand on this whole situation? And the lack of a plan and a consistent plan nationally is kind of coming back to bite everybody in the butt. And I think that's where it leads you to the question that you're now asking, which is, what, what's the point? Uh, because at this point, it's just going to be a jumbled mess. And I, I don't like, are we trying to get to a bowl season that, that <laughs> resembles the normal 752 bowls? Because I don't think that's going to happen. Is no. it just the BCS bowls? Is it just the BCS bowls if they happen in January? Like, nobody has the right answer, partially because I think a large percentage of those involved just didn't want to have to address the reality. Um, and it's just leaving us in a situation now where nobody's going to be happy, which is really unfortunate. Meanwhile, uh, in the background, there's a global pandemic still that's impacting the economy and people's uh, and, lives.
1: And that's the thing too, where I think all the scientists, the entire summer, when all these things are being talked about, where, how can we restart things or how can we get sports? It was always like, they warned, they're like the fall season is fall and winter are going to be bad for the pandemic because I mean, maybe not for us in Arizona, because fall winter is when we go outside where it seems to be safer you know especially if you keep your distance and wear your masks but the rest of the country much of the rest of the country goes inside during the winter times because it's snowing it's cold you don't want to be outside there it's kind of like our summers so they thought it was going to get worse and sure enough as we sit here in early november it's getting worse and if you're some of the other conferences that started that are a handful of games in their season you can argue that yeah they prepared for this because there's by weeks, there's room for postponement, but their postponement is happening. Like it's this is what's happening now. Games are starting to get canceled. Where the Pac-12, they waited so long, like they didn't kind of fit into that window where cases were going low enough to where you're like, oh, maybe we can actually do this. Like there was a time when we we're going lower, like oh, this could happen. And between then and when you knew it was going to go back up, which is where we are now, the Pac-12 decided to start when it looked like it was going to go back up, and you could fault them for that if you want. Like, I'm not going to defend the conference, but at the same time, I'm not going to fault them for trying to take things safer, which is why they started so late. So they're in a tough spot. But, yeah, to your point, what is the goal here? Like, if you're the individual schools, the programs, you want your guys to get on the field either for to improve their draft stock, to get experience, to just play football. Like, there's value in it for the players, for the coaches, absolutely. And if you're Arizona, there's value to see, is this new coaching staff any good? Do they have things going in the right direction? Is Grant Cannell a future superstar, you know, is Jamari Joyner going to be a day two NFL draft pick or something like that. Like there's, there's reason if you want to see this team on the field, even if it's a small sample size, even if it's only six games, you'll, you can get something out of that. But as a conference, when you have to be dealing with cancellations, probably, I don't want to say probably that's, a, that's almost too strong a word, even though it's a very weak word, but there's a good chance you're going to have cancellations most weeks. And what that does to these programs as they're trying to get ready. Like, there was talk last week that maybe Arizona was going to try to play Washington when they found out their games. And like, there's no way in hell that would have happened. And I think someone basically says, like, you can't prepare for an actual football game in a day. Like, game plan and all that stuff. Like, it would have made no sense.
0: Not even even that. You know, those shoulder pads don't (laughs) cram into the overhead compartment of an airplane with 100 large men. Right, but that <laughs> right? was the, that was what people thought, like. Oh, Arizona got canceled against
1: Utah. Well, Arizona can play, Washington can play. Why don't they play each other? No, you couldn't do that. There's no way. And the Pac-12 gonna have to deal with this. And what does that mean by the end of this season? Whatever it looks like in terms of if there's a four and one Oregon team or you know a four and and0 USC or whoever it is, it's like how do you how can you judge that? So like, I do think there's value for the players and the coaches, absolutely. But when you look at the big picture, like what. There's a pandemic, you guys. And and if the teams, like, if, if you could, the idea was, could they bubble themselves enough to where they could play football? And we've seen it across the country. Most programs seem to have been doing a decent job. Football has been happening on the weekends. You know, college football has been happening. NFL football has been happening. So they've seemed to at least do a decent enough job of handling this. But when you have situations where teams cannot play, and that's happening all across the country, and it happened for two games in the Pac-12 last week, Like, that's a problem. That's a real problem that I'm sure they knew what happened. Like I said, Merton Hanks with the Pac-12 said a month or two ago, he's like, yeah, we don't expect everyone to get all seven games in. There's no way. But does it look like it's going to get any better? You know, numbers are doing what they are. They're going up pretty much everywhere. They are going up everywhere in terms of caseloads and everything. Like, is this going to get better? No. So it just seems... It seems very likely that more games are going to get canceled. And I don't know if, if Arizona ends up playing three games this season. Are we going to look up and say, oh, that was fun? it will be like, oh, okay, so that happened. You know, again, not saying that nothing could be gained, but it just seems so – it was already going to be weird. It was already going to be a strange season. But it's almost like the bubble was burst for us in week one. The hope was they could get as many games in as possible. They didn't get one game in. You know, before it's like, oh, yeah, COVID's still a thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, imagine if we actually thought Arizona had a chance of winning the Pac-12. <laughs> um, hey, they're know, unbeaten. Hey, There you go. I'm telling you, if you beat USC somehow Saturday and then the season ends, technically we won the South. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, you know, the, the funny thing is it's like the Pac-12, for all the crap it gets, and largely rightfully so, <laughs> and we're 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 known to uh maybe take a few shots at larry scott um their initial kind of schedule with the kind of reverse schedule stay more local with more bye weeks at the time like that was a reasonable idea and then delaying was a reasonable idea in reality you probably should have done both but you only want to do both if you have coordination with the other conferences and they're just you're ending up in a situation where everybody will have things to say like, hey, yeah, I was right at this at this time and then wrong at this time. And all it all it's resulting in is everyone is dissatisfied. And mm-hmm. again, it just comes back to to what ends. Right. Yeah. So I and I don't I don't even know if most fans can answer that other than the fact that most people like you and I probably just really want to watch our team play uh, some football games because we've been sitting in our houses and apartments for the last, <laughs> you know, nine months. Well,
1: we want something to be invested and we want something to cheer for. We want something to analyze. We want something to talk about on our podcast on Wellcat Radio 2.0. Like, we do want that. And sports, people always say sports is a diversion from the real world. And that's not fair to put that on athletes, especially college kids. Like, they're not our entertainers. Like, they're they're people. They're, you know, they're half our age. Like, they're allowed to be people. They're not there to be our, you know, entertainers. But we look to that. We always like sports for that reason. Even when Arizona's bad, it's still, we're watching them. Like, in non we'd get together and watch the games, you know, with a few beers because they were usually necessary. But, like, that was a thing that would happen, and we missed that. So, of course, we wanted to see Arizona play. And to have the rug taken out from under us that quickly, and again, like, It was worse for the players, right, for someone having to break the news to the team. He said, like, what it was like. So there were some tears there. And, like, of course there were. These players have been delayed so long. Players transferred because they didn't think they were going to get to play. Here they were in game week, ready to play a football game, and then it was taken away from them. And I'm sure they went into that game thinking they were going to win. You have to, right? So they thought they had a chance to upset Utah on the road, and it was taken away because of something Utah did. And, like I said, that's not to say that Utah was just careless and reckless with all this because – Again, Kevin Summon, we thought he was doing a good job. He got COVID. So it can happen. It's a very infectious, contagious disease, you know, virus. So it's not to just blame them unless they're just like, hey, no protocols. Just go out and have fun. Live your best, you know, Utah life, which thinking about it shouldn't be that treacherous anyway. But, you know, it's it's just rough and it's hard to. It's kind of like I was saying, the bubble was burst before I wasn't even played a game. And now I look at the season. Maybe it's Pollyanna of me. Like it's maybe it's just like, oh, they're. They're never going to play football. Like we're recording this on Tuesday because we recorded last week on Wednesday, and by the time the podcast was posted, a game got canceled. Basically, <laughs> you know, like that's the times we're living in right now, and it's just hard to be optimistic until games start happening again. And, and maybe we saw it at other levels, where like other comments, like oh, they're playing football, this can happen. And all of a sudden, for Arizona, it did not. Other
0: schools played, Arizona didn't. Well, and I think it doesn't. As, as football fans and podcasters, it doesn't make us feel better this week when, A, cases are going up, and, B, game cancellations and postponements seem to be ramping up. Like, we're recording on Tuesday night. I just saw Navy and Memphis just can't uh, postpone their game. But Navy doesn't have an open week, so that game is almost assuredly canceled, right? Yeah. You know, the LSU-Alabama game, I think there was a smaller school in um, somewhere in the in Alabama. Not, I don't think it was an SEC school. Like a, it was not Alabama, obviously, but some smaller schools were just saying, "We're we're done trying to make this work this season, right?" Because it's not necessarily the big money maker it is, yeah. and that's where it's goes back to the question of what's to what ends, uh, and it, I it's it's sad to say, but I feel like we're getting to the point of where, you know, what is what is the point of this season other than it becomes a you know it's not even going to approximate the shortened MLB baseball season right that still they did it because that had a bubble they were able to you know have a quick sprint season well the a NBA playoff. they picked up back and yeah.
1: after a while they had their bubble and it was different but it was basketball like you felt confident they were going to be able to play their games and finish out their season whatever facsimile of a season they were playing
0: well but even the NBA they they should have been starting their new season a couple weeks ago
1: that's true <laughs> you almost forget about that like it's it's november the nba was right? supposed to have started already so like yeah
0: they're yeah they're already into a second season that has been affected right um and it's i think i think it's just gradually people are coming to the unfortunate reality of the disease until we can get it under control and you know, there's been positive developments. You know, we've we've talked about before. Time is your ally when it comes to treating this disease with vaccines and better testing. I I, I fear that the lack of organization of college football, just by the nature of it, where you certainly can't bubble, you have a hundred people traveling, you can't you know, you can't play multiple games per week to get a season in. All all those things that we talked about are are, you know. Being exposed by the fact that cases are on the rise uh, and it's just leaving you to wonder what is what is what is the point of this season? Um, or do we just in true Arizona fan fashion say, well, at least there's basketball season. <laughs> well, Brett, you know, we think there
1: will be basketball season. There is NFL season still happening. College football is happening for some teams. So really, even though we're disappointed that Arizona didn't play last week, there is no shortage of games to watch which means there's thousands of lines available on all your favorite sports and events, unless your favorite sport was Arizona last week because it wasn't there eventually. But make sure you can turn your game day into payday with my bookie. So if you're the type of guy who likes to back the big favorites, consider putting a couple in a parlay for a much bigger payout. Not only do parlays make meaningless games exciting, but more importantly, Brett, they give you a chance to turn ordinary bets into a real moneymaker. And don't forget the underdogs. They have a ton of value. The thing about the NFL is that underdogs are never really dogs on Sunday, so every team truly has a chance to win, and you do too. Game spreads, championship futures, and player prop bets. It's never too late to get in on the action and start turning your sports knowledge into actual cash in your wallet. Sign up at MyBookie, and when you do, use our promo code OVERTIME to claim a deposit match dollar for dollar all the way up to 1000 bucks. It's a bonus designed to give you a little help and a head start on your winning season. Remember, that's promo code OVERTIME for you to claim your bonus when you make your deposit, stacked UFC cards, uh, all different prop bets all over the place, major sports and more. Sign up today to begin your winning season exclusively at my And, Brett, we we kind of poo pooed on the idea of a season. But as far as we know, Arizona will play a game this weekend against USC. Let's talk about it after this break. Welcome back, and Brett, we did tease it, Arizona's week one game didn't happen, so now week two becomes week one, and actually, now you think about it, they're supposed to play week zero again, and that didn't happen, so week zero didn't happen, week one didn't happen, week one, I I don't know how you call it, but their first game is supposed to be Saturday. Adam,
0: Adam, time has no meaning in 2020, so (laughs) So it's reasonable to be confused.
1: My head hurts. (laughs) (laughs)
0: They're supposed to play... I'm, conv- I'm convinced it's still March. What are
1: you talking <laughs> about? <That> was- <laughs> Lousy, smart weather. Um, Arizona-USC. This is going to be the second game of the season. USC did play week one against Arizona State. Had a come from behind victory that I didn't get to watch most of the second half. But talking to ASU friends, they're just mad. Which doesn't upset me, necessarily. I'm not going to lie. But it also looks like, how the hell did you lose that game? USC is supposed to be pretty good. Arizona has not played a game yet, so we don't even know how bad or like we don't know anything about Arizona still but that game 130 Arizona stadium no fans in the stands hopefully it happens Arizona
0: stadium no fans in the stands true home field advantage <laughs> for Arizona <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know um i i didn't get to watch all of the ASU USC game i got to see bits and pieces um the one I'm just gonna blow past ASU because we're not playing ASU uh, this weekend. The thing that I noticed in the bits and pieces I got to see, at least uh, granted this was more earlier in the game and middle parts of the game. I was kind of surprised, even though maybe I shouldn't be, at how undisciplined USC looked, especially on defense with like taking angles for, uh, you know, pursuing the ball carrier, which I suppose, is a to be expected in a weird season that's out of cadence of normal preparations um, and b usc that is full of a bunch of four stars that you know are maybe don't aren't as studious in the film room or you know the nuances of the game because they've gotten by on raw athleticism compared to the types of athletes that schools such as arizona get which Gives me a little bit of a, a little glimmer of hope, even though I think we're both on record as saying this is the one game that Arizona probably had no chance to win. Yeah, um, <laughs> you know, I I think that the other the other thing that was taken I took away was that USC's defensive line was looked very good against ASU um, in general. Um, Not
1: against the run though.
0: I, uh, that's
1: I don't want to analyze this game because again I didn't watch especially the comeback. I watched a lot of the first half then I had to go get a haircut for the first time since like January. That was important. But if you look at just the box score, right? USC had 556 yards of offense. Uh of course they had 95 plays. ASU rushed for 258 yards. And that wasn't just Jaden Daniels. who had a pretty good game, 111 yards. Demonte Trainum had 84 yards on 12 carries. Rashad White had 76 yards on 12 carries. They were gashing USC on the line. Yeah,
0: yeah but some of the a lot of that jaden daniels yardage which is what half of asu's rushing yards were not designed quarterback runs it was because he got flushed from the pocket by the defensive line um again and like i said it supports my my first statement that i thought they were very uh undisciplined on defense but i think the defensive line let me rephrase it this way they were they appeared to be very disruptive and i think that shows up in jaden Daniels' passing stats yeah he wasn't good Um, that way so, you know, which, if, if we're to believe that Arizona's O-line with returning so much experience and a, a reasonable amount of talent, if, you know, certainly not on the raw athletic level of USC's line, you know, if you're to believe that they can effectively at least open a few holes and protect Grant Gunnell long enough to make, uh, you know, good reads and good decisions which I think is a reasonable expectation. I think that's, you know, I think the game plan that we talked about last week against Utah largely applies here as well um, in that you need to control the clock. You need to establish the running game. You need Grant Ganell to not make mistakes, right? Yeah. Um, you know, Ganell ain't running for triple digit yardage like Jaden Daniels is. Seems, least...
1: seems unlikely.
0: I think that's, yeah. yeah.
1: I wouldn't, but I wouldn't but go same, to my bookie and bet on that. No,
0: no. But I think uh, I think you're you're going to expect more out of the passing game from Grant Cannell than 11 for 23 and 134 yards passing. Yeah. You know, Jaden Jade Daniels had a, uh, a very Khalil Tate type <laughs> game without the without the interceptions. Well, it's a strange game because
1: ASU blew that game, you know, onside kick fluky plays. There are some interesting calls from what I've seen on replays. and just following ASU Twitter. And, I mean, it, it takes two teams to have a choke job, right? like, ASU had to not make plays, and USC had to make them. But at the same time, like, ASU, and I know I don't want to get into ASU, but they've been a team, like, the last couple of years under Herm Edwards that they finished games. Like, they never blew you out. They were always close, and they always made the plays. They did not in this one. So, I don't know if that means any of this is fluky, this weird season already. Like, maybe you take nothing from it. But for USC, like, it started with Keaton Slovis offensively. He wasn't. I mean, 40 of 55 for 381 yards and two touchdowns with one pick. The numbers are pretty good raw, you know, but they struggled to move the ball. Now, they, I think they were 5 of 8 on 4th and 1s or 4th downs. Like, I know early in the first half, they seemed like they had 4th and 1 all the time in ASU territory, went for it and did not get it, which I don't know what Graham Harrell's doing, the offensive coordinator, but that's that shouldn't happen too often. <laughs> but... And, like, ASU's a better team than Arizona talent-wise. Their defense has more playmakers, as far as we know. Offensively, I'm not sure how much I believe in them because they weren't a good offensive team last year. And we had Rob Bowen on a couple of weeks back. He's like, yeah, they were not a good offense last season. Until they show that they can win games that way, I'm not going to believe they can. And Jaden Daniels, for all the love he gets, it wasn't exactly him putting the team on his back and winning a game in the Coliseum. But USC, the talent is there. And maybe they struggle because ASU is better. Like, that's very – I mean, that's not that's not unlikely. Like, if ASU's better than Arizona, it stands to reason that USC will have an easier time against Arizona, both offensively and defensively. But in terms of a first game, like, if you're USC, when I mean, you feel good that you won, like, if you can play bad and win, especially at home, you'll take that. But does that – I don't know. Like, last week we were like, oh, this is the time you want to get Utah. Their first game, new quarterback, whichever one it was, a lot of new players on defense, maybe you can steal this one. I feel like USC having that close scare against ASU doesn't do the Wildcats any favors coming to this game. A Wildcats team that has not played a game yet this season now gets a USC team that maybe they were they were going to overlook Arizona. Maybe they're still going to overlook Arizona. But you feel like the odds of that are a little bit lower because of the fact that they barely beat ASU last week.
0: Oh, see, I literally watching the game was like, ah, crap, ASU's going to pull the upset and USC's going to come in real focused. Okay. I think the fact that USC pulled it out actually makes their likelihood of remaining sloppy and overlooking Arizona better Mm. than if they had lost. Interesting. Personally. Um, You know, I think uh, the, the other thing that jumps out when you look at the box score is the combined six fumbles lost between the two teams, which... She kind of shows you the quality of, of of football that we kind of half expected in the again the the, the awkward cadence and delayed season. Well, I
1: think one of them was but, a punt return from Jack Jones on ASU. He muffed the punt, and then the ensuing possession, USC fumbled the ball into the end zone on a running play. So that that wasn't great.
0: <laughs> you, you, That's at least two of the fumbles. Air, two of the six, I think. You, usually the. <laughs> That's if, you know if I squint real hard I can picture U of A games of days past with those two <laughs> descriptions didn't we do both of those against Washington one year for UCLA Yeah I was at um, that game <laughs> Yeah at UCLA uh, yeah. it was two years ago <laughs> Yeah I you know I watching the game like I said I I am a slightly less intimidated by the talent disparity of Arizona and USC going into this game after after having watched that game. Um, I still think Slovis frightens me because I think he's the best quarterback in the Pac-12. I I think, like I said, I think the game plan remains the same as you would have uh, approached it against Utah, where you need to try to hope that you can ride your offensive line and running backs to a – game management offense that still puts points on the board that has long sustained drives to keep the defense off the field and then you know you got to cr- try to create your own luck and some turnovers on defense like like asu the the pick that i think was it merlin uh what's his last name merlin robinson robinson linebacker yeah um
1: he can yeah, play he had a
0: great he had a great pick dude like, can play he's <laughs> you know, good great break on the ball like i don't think that was necessarily a bad s- slowbus pass based on the the angle i saw but like you know, if you're I don't feel confident um, if we're falling behind early in heaven to try to s- tell Grant Gunnell to sling the ball around their 55 passes. Uh, I want to control the clock. I want to feed my running backs. I want to see Michael Wiley plus 20 pounds from last year as the uh, as the counter to Gary Brightwell and just try to try to ride that offensive not line. Nathan Tilford, try to not win the
1: guy who people thought might move to linebacker because he's so big. I mean, I think
0: I'm <laughs> he's not even that big, though.
1: But, but I think what you're saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that uh, the path to victory for Arizona between USC and Utah doesn't change. You're still playing a team that has more right. talent than you do. Like What you need to do hasn't changed. That's going to be the case when Arizona's going to be at a talent deficit most of this season. That's going to be the case. You know, Kevin. Someone in his press conference was asked what he saw from the Trojans. He mentioned their offense. He's like, if they don't turn the ball over, it's a different game. Yeah, that's true. Like football, if you turn the ball over, it's going to change things. Mentioned their receivers, Tyler Vaughn's. You know, like he mentioned, he talked about those guys. Like it's a loaded off. Like it's a good team. Like they have good players. People don't doubt their talent. They doubt the coaching, which, cool. Like that. That's fine. You know, and their defense obviously did enough at the end of the game. Like, again, ASU doesn't necessarily have an electric offense. So the question is, was ASU's running ability or ability to run the ball in that game, yes, Jaden Daniels had a lot of it, but so did their running backs, is that a sign that could Arizona repeat that? Because if Arizona can run the ball like that against USC, that obviously makes everything so much easier. you know. And I do wonder, though, because you don't want to put on Grant and to have to throw the ball 40 times to win this game. If that happens, like if, he, if Arizona wins this game, Grant Cano's going to throw the ball 25 times, tops. It's going to be that type of game. And I don't know. Like, again, like we, we haven't seen Arizona play now. We haven't seen Grant Cannell as like a sophomore quarterback in this offense with Gary Brightwell as the number one running back, with Jamari Joyner, with Booby Curry being a sophomore. Like, we haven't seen that. And maybe if we had last week, no matter what would have happened, we'd have some clue as to what to expect in week two. We don't. And I don't know. I don't think that's an advantage for Arizona. Like, don't we talk, oh, maybe teams don't know what to expect from Arizona's defense. And I guess you could argue, other than the fact that Arizona was game planning for Utah, this extra week off, maybe players who were a little hurt, like maybe um, Josh McCauley. I don't know his status, the center. But there was a lot of talk that he might not have played against Utah. Will he be able to play against USC? There was time maybe Jamari Joyner. Just different injuries they had that I guess we never had to find out about. We never knew the answer because they didn't play. But that extra week. In terms of that, it doesn't hurt you to get a little more healthy, and there's probably some USC players who are feeling a little hurt after their game against ASU. It's football. It's a painful sport to play. But does Arizona have an advantage because they didn't play? I doubt it. But in terms of trying to evaluate this game or predict it, we, we have no idea because maybe Arizona is that team that comes in like, oh, they're much better than we thought. You know, these linebackers are actually not bad. The defensive line is way more improved than it was. Like, they're as good as people think maybe they could be. And this offense is excellent. And if that's the case, they compete against USC, just like they would have competed against Utah. But we haven't seen it. We can't expect it. Just on paper, USC is a much better football team who came off a game that they won against a team that most people think is better than Arizona. So... You know The time off, the fact that Arizona hasn't played yet and USC has, the fact that USC won a close game, Like I don't know if it's better or worse for Arizona. But it's the same thing as last week. I'm looking forward to this week one game because it's not a cream puff. It's a Pac-12 game in your first game of the season. Let's see what they got.
0: Yeah, I I kind of actually wanted to start the pot off today with a joke about how USC got lucky and had a cream puff uh tune up <laughs> game with ASU, but they're not a cream puff tune up. No, they're they're not. I, I don't think they're I don't think they're as good as the hype is being made out to be, but I don't think <laughs> they're terrible. Um Yeah, I you know, maybe we have a little bit of the element of surprise. Like you said, nobody knows what to expect from Arizona's defense necessarily, but I think everybody knows what the expectations are for Arizona's defense, which are not particularly high. Um at the end of the day, I I think it's real simple. It comes down to <laughs> those good old like old man things that they talk about when they talk about football, right? It's the line play for Arizona on the offensive and defensive lines, not and, and not turning the ball over. And winning like winning the turnover battle, if you or Playing to a draw in the turnover battle, even in the, for for that matter. But if you win the turnover battle and have good line play, you're competitive, right? Yeah. Um. In it's football. If you fall, yeah. If you if you follow or if you fall behind the turnover battle and give any type of gift to USC, they're going to exploit it, and it's going to amplify over the course of the game. Um. And that's potentially and probably going to be at its core. Uh, the result of the line play either on offense or defense, right? Like a pressured quarterback on either team uh, is the most likely source of those turnovers, mm-hmm. uh, barring some special team things. Well, but. if nothing else, it is
1: another battle of two sophomore quarterbacks, two of the better quarterbacks in the conference. Of course, pro football focus thinks Arizona has the best one. So hooray. Like that's, that's still a thing, but going into one, Brad, I know we each picked Arizona to lose to Utah. I guess technically we were wrong. Arizona did not lose to Utah so I I don't know but what is your thought <laughs> so what is your thought USC at Arizona it's 1:30 in the afternoon a day game to open the season for Arizona there you know a double digit underdog as per usual the game will be on Fox like what is what is your prediction in this one
0: oh, this is where uh, it it feels like my prediction last week where I want to be bold but my head is just telling me otherwise. Um, I do think there's a better than uh, a better than expected chance that Arizona will look moderately competitive, but I'm, I'm going to go with USC 34, Arizona 17.
1: Yeah, that, that actually doesn't sound too bad. I feel like this is one where Utah we thought would be closer because their offense wasn't likely to be that good, even if their defense was solid. USC's offense should be good even if their defense is solid. So, I think maybe more like 37-17, kind of like in that range. I don't I don't know. I don't like this matchup like I said you mentioned earlier this was the one game you looked at the schedule and was like nah, they're not going to win that one. And and no. I, nothing happened last week. Nothing happened for Arizona. But nothing happened with USC to make me think that they're any less talented and unlike you think maybe they'll be a little bit more likely to relax in this one because they had a close win. I think they're more likely to come in focused, but it's similar to Utah. I think we'll know early on, you know, last season, I think Arizona was up or down 17, nothing in the first half ended up losing what 41 to 17 or 41 to 14, something like that. I think we'll know early on in this one, if Arizona comes out and has a chance to be competitive in the game, but I don't expect the Wildcats to win and neither do you. So (sighs) welcome to the season, everyone. Hopefully the game happens. But brett <laughs> let's let's take one more break, and we come back. Arizona basketball is ranked in the top ten. Let's talk about it. We're back, and Brett, I kind of maybe deceived some people in that tease, and for that, I'm sorry. maybe Arizona basketball, the women's basketball team. Is ranked in the top ten, number seven preseason for the AP poll. First time in program history, they're in the preseason top ten. We don't talk a lot about women's basketball on this program on Wildcat Radio two but we probably should. This season, they're going to be awesome.
0: Yeah, all all signs point to a very exciting uh, women's basketball season, and I think we talked about it back in March. That I was probably more disappointed about not getting to watch the women's team in the in the in the women's uh, bracket. Than yeah. watching the trudge of a talented <laughs> but underachieving men's team uh, try to not lose in the first round and maybe taunt us and tease us with you know a few wins, um, you know, Ari McDonald came came back. The roster is largely intact and even supplemented. You know, there there there's no reason to to have low expectations with this year's team for the for the women's team right
1: no no and it's it's awesome like arizona is a basketball school adia barnes what she's doing with that program obviously to be pre preseason rankings don't mean you're going to be great but you'd usually not rank that high unless people are like yeah that's a good team um the men's team not ranked in the
0: preseason top 25 um those hey, fun- they were they've if- They've been uh, preseason ranking media poll in the top 10 of the Pac-12, though. <laughs> there, There is that. Um, the highest ranked team in the Pac-12 for the AP
1: Top 25 was ASU. So welcome to expectations, Arizona State. You'll have a lot of fun with that. Um, <laughs> we, we've we talked on this show. like Obviously, I'd rather Arizona be preseason top 10 in men's basketball, too, because you don't get that type of ranking, that pre- type of preseason hype, unless you have a roster that people are like, yep, that's a good program. Doesn't mean that they're going to be good. Doesn't mean they're going to be, you know, a Final Four team, but I'd rather be expected to be really good, not having much expected of them. But when you look at why Arizona's left out of the top 25 this year, it makes total sense, and it doesn't bother me, and it doesn't concern me because there's so much on this roster that it's, all, it's a lot of unknowns. Guys who are transfers, James Akinjo, Jordan Brown, who have looked apparently really good in offseason practices, this freshman class with a lot of you know, foreign players who might be more ready to play than typical freshmen, with Terrell Brown, a grad transfer, you know, with Jamal Baker being healthy. Now, like, this team has so many unknowns, but so much that you could look and say, they're going to be better than people think. And you look at most of the bracketologies, they're still in the tournament right now for people, which I think kind of points to, like they're like, yeah, we know there's talent there. You just, have to, you just have to prove it for us, and then we'll be happy to think more highly of you.
0: Yeah, it's the the Arizona's preseason ranking is just to me a largely reflection of the sheer unknown um, of the roster that somewhat reflects just I don't want to call it laziness because no national media person could possibly, you know, understand the depths of the rosters of every, you know, top, you know, 100 teams that are considered for, you know, the March Madness bracket. So like far be it for me to say like oh you don't know about our eighth man that has incredible upside <laughs> that you know played overseas um, but it doesn't it doesn't concern me i'm a little surprised that arizona has gotten I uh, is a I, I i do feel like they've got a little bit of a underrated label because i don't think people are going that deep now to counter the last point a little the lazy part is not realizing that james akinjo and jordan brown are both highly rated guys mm-hmm that you know, at least in James Akinjo's case has shown it before in college basketball. And Jordan Brown was a McDonald's all American, didn't show that much at Nevada, but that was on a very talented team, right? Uh, where he didn't get that many opportunities.
1: And he's been winning gold um, jerseys left and right in prizes. Like Christian Coloco won the most recent one as a recording, so Arizona's front court's gonna be stacked.
0: I mean Christian Coloco is a golden god, so of <laughs> course he has the gold jersey.
1: Like his jersey um, isn't gold, it's just Coloco.
0: <laughs> yeah, Gold is thinking of changing its legal name to ColoCo. <laughs> um Yeah, I, I mean, I think you and I are both like a lot of Arizona fans are excited at the prospect of a team that you know, maybe has a little more of a chip on its shoulder uh rather than an expectation, right? Uh and that can be that can be a more fun team to watch develop over the course of the season. Now, t- going back to our discussion of coronavirus, let's hope that we're able to have yeah. the season as planned. Now we have to hedge but every single a... discussion because
1: because coronavirus.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's a much more manageable situation for reasons we've talked about in the past. Um, smaller rosters, easier to kind of bubble. Uh, you can do tournaments to get a few games. You can do multiple games per week. Um, yeah, I'm I'm personally not at all really worried about. Preseason, you know, underrating, overrating, disrespect, whatever, because it 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 means nothing to me. And part of me is, part of me wants them to have that chip. It might help with that chip on the shoulder and say, hey, yeah, we're going to come and surprise some people, right?
1: I think it's more just a lack of expectations will help a team. It'll give them the time to grow. That pressure won't be there. and grand, a non-conference schedule is not what it was going to be, and nothing is what it was going to be, but. Like, if you're ASU going to the season, you're preseason number 18, which isn't – you're not really – 18 is – I'd rather be 18 than preseason nothing, like unranked. I'm not trying to, you know, say anything about that. But this is a team where if you're ASU, you better make – if you're ever going to make a Final Four run, it seems like this is the roster to do it. And that's a lot of pressure. With the one-and-done guys they have, with the seniors they have, like if they don't do it this year, it's not going to happen. Arizona doesn't enter the season with that type of feeling. They enter with a chance like, okay, let's just try to grow and get better as a team, and maybe by the time March rolls around and there's a Mar- there's a tournament, Arizona's playing at a very high level and no one's going to play them because they'll have a deep roster at every position, they'll play defense, they'll hit threes, they have a lead guard and a kinjo, you know, great low post guys and Coloco and Jordan Brown, you know, and Tabulis and I know Daniel Baccio, he's going to be out for a little while, he announced with some knee surgery, so that's not good, that hurts their depth some, but regardless, like I'd rather be ranked than unranked but I don't mind this Arizona team being unranked because them being unranked doesn't mean they're not good. doesn't mean they're not talented. It just means no one knows what to think of them. You can't look at them and say, that is a top 25 team in the country. I can't say that right now. I know you can't say it either, but it doesn't mean we don't think that they have the talent to be a factor as the season goes along.
0: Yeah. I. Th- I if you think back to the last number of Arizona Wildcats teams, what percentage of, say, the last – three four years teams felt like by the end of it it was just a bunch of guys trudging through to get to the end of the season mm-hmm. including sean miller to some extent <laughs> yes right? like even when they've been good they've they've had flashes of fun but they haven't been consistently fun <laughs> like it's yeah. been tr- it's been that you can it, it and it's reflected it's it, it, it you know, it's on the face of Sean Miller. It's on the, the body language of a lot of his players. A lot of it has to do with the cloud that's been overhanging the program, mm-hmm. no doubt, right? And we can, we can, and have discussed at length, <laughs> you know, that cloud. But I think that the refreshing thing of this roster is, without those expectations, you know, it, it's it's more a question of how how much can we grow in a season as a team, rather than and is it final four or bust, right, yeah. and that's and that's inherently starting from a more optimistic place um that I think will make the season more fun, no matter how it ends up being in terms of the win loss record,
1: yeah, which it's not a bad place to be, especially in a wonky season that's this one sets up to be, and if you're Arizona two, there's obviously that cloud is still hanging over them in terms of what's going to happen with the program with the n o a and all that. but in the meantime. It's nice to I guess If I'm being honest, I'd rather another season with the high expectations. Because that again means that you're supposed to be really good. But as a fan, as someone who doesn't want to be stressed out like crazy every single time they take the court, a season like this where you're like, "Okay, I think they'll be pretty good. Maybe if everything goes right, they'll be very good. But in the meantime, they're building a program which at this point in you tenure next, they have to be building the program, but kind of rebuilding to a certain level. Like, I can live with this season being that season. You know, it's like, okay, yeah, just just get better. Like, it's win some games, show some growth, you know, show a recruiting class that's unconventional
0: for what we're used to, but effective, and then that's a win. I mean, if you went back in time to right after the Schlaba ESPN (laughs) nonsense, if you had said in 2020 you'd have a team with this kind of roster with this much potential you would have said, oh boy, that's actually quicker than I would have thought to get back to competitiveness. (laughs)
1: Um
0: you know, just in fairness of saying like it is because you said at this point in Sean Miller's tenure you shouldn't be building a program. It's it's due to circumstances both within and outside of his control, like, you know, the challenges with those high expectations teams, you have to build a new roster almost every season, as Mm -hmm. Sean Miller has learned. Mm -hmm. Um you know, I think that's where it we've talked about it maybe by the situation or by design. Um, maybe we're going more to a Villanova model where it's less one and done five star guys and more build a, a talent pipeline well, and a program. It's the and championships. I'm the fine with it.
1: Like, that's fine. Yeah.
0: Like to to do a callback to the football segment to to what ends? What is your goal? Is it to put guys in the NBA or is it to win? If you're Sean Miller is it more important to put guys in the NBA or to get to a final four, right? Um and you you can make a reasonable argument that uh, that the NBA answer is the the smarter answer in the in the in in Sean Miller's personal you know salary and recruiting classes uh way. Mm-hmm. But as a fan, we know it's ultimately about you know we need to get past that hump of losing in the Elite 8, right? Now,
1: at this point I'd like to get back to the Elite 8, but yes. Once you get Fair. there, I'd like to get, you know, to the Final Four in a national championship. But <sighs> basketball supposed to start up at the end of this month. Hopefully in the next few weeks things go well enough for the basketball players where that can happen. Again, football Saturday, one thirty against USC, a day game for the home opener, which is now also the season opener. So that's cool. <laughs> um, I... <laughs> everybody thank you for listening to the show hopefully we didn't bum you out too much in the first segment and if we did hopefully the second segment helped you a little more as we explain how we think Arizona's going to lose to USC oh god we just probably made it worse for everybody
0: so sorry (laughs) like nothing about you already
1: made it this far everyone so thanks sorry about that
0: hey optimistic take we cancel the first three games that we were all predicted to lose and just play the back half of the schedule and go three (laughs) and oh national champions um any,
1: as always, if have any questions or any comments, at Wildcat Radio, AZ is the Twitter account. Uh, make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes, on uh, Spotify, print, whenever you get your podcasts. Subscribe, rate us, review us. We'd be happy to see what you think. Uh, we'll be back next week, hopefully, talking about Arizona's game against USC. But until then, wear your masks, stay safe, and remember to bear down. Bear down.